Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah. He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tons of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You mean forced? Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And I am George. Welcome back, George. Another great interview today. Yeah, we have the uh, peanut, bu- peanut butter aficionado on the show. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that. We'll have to talk about peanut butter. <laughs> but before we do that, I'm going to have to introduce him. And uh, so, we've had a couple of tough names in a row, so I'll see if I can get this right. But but this guest, from a young age, always enjoyed playing sports. The only problem he faced was being the fat kid. He was always picked last. He was never the star, never had a chance to shine until he found his passion for fitness. He decided to change his life around and stop feeling sorry for himself. And he studied fat loss programs, nutrition guides, fitness tips, and in the space of two months, dropped 60 pounds. He used to weigh in at 200 pounds and transformed himself to a light featherweight of 140 pounds, which for our Aussie listeners, probably 65, 70 kilos. Um, and then news transformed around the school. Everyone started to notice. Friends started asking him what the secret was. And so uh, all of a sudden, he was able to start sharing this information with more and more people. So he's got a great story. He's got a great website, which we'll share with you later. I'm looking forward to getting into this. And so welcome to the show. And I'll see if I can get the name right. Let's see how we go. Rafal Matashevsky. How'd I do? Yes. Yes, that was yes. perfect. Thank you. <laughs> welcome, mate. Welcome. So tell us a little about this story. Tell us about uh, you know growing up as the fat kid. How did that impact on you? Mentally and also physically. Um, so recently, I've been thinking about this, and something that was like brought up to me on my show 
um, was actually the struggle before the whole like weight loss transformation. Cause I realized that I haven't thought about that part of my life in such a long time. And it's almost been like years since I've like felt that like depression, that miserable feeling of failing constantly to finally lose the weight that's been literally dragging me down. Um, so it, it all kind of really started when I was in grade eight, like that first year in high school where I really noticed that my weight was an issue where, you know, at that age, girls were really important to me. And uh, the best like kind of like cutthroat moment in my high school uh, time was I was at a school dance and I mustered all the courage to go ask this one girl to dance with me. And then she turns around and tells me, why would I want to dance with you? You're fat. And I was like, oh, Ooh. damn it. Yeah, it, that, that was kind of like the turning point. And That's brutal. Yeah. And then that summer of going from grade nine into grade 10, I, I played sports my whole life and I was on the football team. And again, being the fat kid, they put you at linemen. So the big guys at the front that just push people. And uh I like just told like I went a complete 180 turn like I went from eating you know a whole bag of chips and a two liter coke for breakfast to I'm gonna have some fruit some eggs and some vegetables like the next day when I said I had enough and I continued doing that every single day no matter what and during that summer I spent like every day reading on men's health and bodybuilding.com, like any fitness site you can think of. I was reading every single article, picked up nutrition tips, those fat loss manuals, like every like ebook I could get my hands on, I read and I was like, okay, this is it. This is my plan. I'm going to just get to it. I'm going to crush it. And yeah, two months, I lost 60 pounds over the summer. And the only people that saw me were, you know, my coaches and my buddies who played football. And then like the moment I got back into school, um, everyone was like surprised who I was because a lot of people were like, oh, who's the new kid? <laughs> and um, one person came up to me and they're like, oh, my God, what did you do? You need to tell me. Can you train me? And that's when it literally clicked into my head. I was like, I'm placed on this earth to help others not feel that miserable, depressed, anxiety filled, like teenage feeling I had and get them out as fast as possible because I hate seeing other people in pain physically and mentally. And that answered the question. No, 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 it was good. I just wanted to give you the ample, the ample second to keep going. I didn't, yeah. want, I didn't want to interrupt you. And I, I love, I love your story, man. Actually, I, uh, I'm something similar. I lost a uh, hundred pounds as well. So I was in wow. a wheelchair for 13 months. I was an active duty Marine for, uh, 13 years, 12 years. And, wow. um, ended up having six surgeries, spent like 12 months in a wheelchair and then, um, all the weight that I'd lost to be as healthy as possible. And like, you know, the most jacked Marine ever, I gained it all back in the matter of like four or five months. And then I was stuck for another, God, I think like 12 months trying to lose it. So I totally, totally get it. You know, I was the mm -hmm. fact that in high school, I was bulimic for 15 years. So, you know, one of the things for me um, you know, I had this long journey of food and this long journey of weight gain, weight loss, and it was always like this repeating pattern. And what finally made the shift for me to be able to keep it off and maintain was a mindset shift. So can you talk to me a little bit about like your mindset? Because I know 
a lot of times we have people that, you know, want to lose weight. They get obsessive about something. They kind of go all in, but then, you know, it kind of pitter patters out and they don't mm-hmm. get to maintain it. And it creates like this nasty roller coaster. And, you know, from the sound of it, you haven't figured out. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up because like, I probably discovered maybe two years ago that I was like dealing with a lot of binge eating issues. And, but to me, it felt normal until, you know, I'm start chatting with, to people like Krista Scott Dixon and she really hones in on, you know, emotional eating, binge eating, any kind of eating disorder. And I started like creating more self-awareness. And I think that's a lot, really, really important for a lot of people, because if you're not self-aware, you're just, you know, going day by day, hoping for the best. So I really took like a backseat to like figure out what the hell's going on with me. Cause you know, in that two month span when I lost all the weight, I was really obsessive. Like I would work out seven days a week. And if I could find time, I would get a second workout in the same day just because like it was addictive to see the weight come off, get smaller. My clothes were like falling off me. And then, you know, getting out of high school, I wanted to put on weight just to get some more mass on me. But that's when I started figuring out that I could eat a whole box of uh, pizza to myself and six beers and a whole cheesecake. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. And I'm not gaining any weight. And then the weight kind of slowly started gaining back, but I didn't like balloon out. I probably got up to my heavies is like 160. And then I was like, oh shit, I need to cut back down. So I went back to like a restrictive diet. I went back down to like 150, 148. And then the binge behavior would come back. And this past years when I've been like really trying to like keep that under control and it's like silly stuff where, you know, if I have, I don't know, chocolate at home, I will put it in the freezer because it's kind of a pain to eat like an Easter egg that's completely frozen. Or like if I had beer at home rather than keeping it in the fridge, I will keep it out. And if I really want a beer, I have to wait for it to cool down. And by that time, I'm probably not going to want it. It's just like the, like challenging your brain to kind of cut that, you know, I find that with, with like binge eating, you almost have like a plan or there's like, I would plan out my cheat days. Like, all right, Saturday, I'm going to have this and this, I'm going to drive to this store and buy that and come home and just devour all this and then feel like crap after. But I don't, I don't think like for most people who have those huge, like weight loss transformation stories, you only get to see the nice stuff online, but they're probably still dealing with a lot of like emotional and psychological issues. Cause even for myself, like right now I weigh 148, I'm really, really lean. And I still sometimes look in the mirror and I'm like, nah, I'm still that fat kid in high school. Like that's pretty messed up, but you know, you take it one day by a time and it, it's really hard to get over it. But you, if you kind of surround yourself with a good environment, both socially and like physically, those things can start fading away and it's really tough. Like I've dealt with clients who've had binge eating disorders and things like that. There's no like, here's 30 days of a plan. And by the day 30, you're going to like be fine and just, you're going to get over it. It's, it's a huge process and everyone has a different journey. Rafael, I mean, it's such an important topic because I think we will, there will be so many people who listen in to this show who've been through this sort of process and who have, at, at various times become somewhat obsessive about how what they're doing in terms of their diet and 
and you know sometimes it can be you know quite overt as you're talking about other times it can be really subtle where you know there can be a really fine line there between choosing to eat healthy and then between you know going over the top and 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 it becoming a you know a sickness and so how does how do we differentiate between the two like when we're doing it healthily and when we're doing it unhealthily you know I, I think a lot of the time it can come down to our why like why we want to change has that changed for you over the time and have, have you ever make distinctions about you know sort of when you're doing it healthily and when you're not um well for me personally like in the very beginning it was to obviously get attention to girls and not have them reject me and then when i got to that point um, this is kind of a side story, but in high school, I met my wife and she was really the only person that I really wanted her attention. And even when I lost the weight, she didn't give me that attention. So she made me work for it. So when we finally got together, my why was kind of it just vanished. Right. So maybe that kind of got me onto the path where I am today. But, you know, I do this with clients when they come in for their first, you know, consultation and you know, I tell them it's our first date to see if we actually click. You know, I'm going to show them around the gym. I'll tell them how training works and, you know, talk about our favorite Netflix shows. And if that works out, then we're going to continue. But I always ask what their goal is. And I always get the same answer. It's like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose 20 pounds. And I keep asking why. I keep asking why. And I keep peeling layers to figure out why it is. And usually it's like, you know, I have my 25-year high school reunion. I haven't worn this dress in like 15 years. I want to be able to go to this reunion, be confident and not feel like, you know, everyone else around me is these supernatural beings that are super thin and always happy. But it always comes down to like a root inside you. And I totally believe like actually sitting down and figuring out why you want to do this. And the other thing, too, is like a lot of people see these transformation stories and they believe that that's what they need to do in order to be successful at fitness and health. And I was having this conversation with a client the other day and, you know, he has three businesses that he's running. He has two kids. He works like 16 hour days, comes to the gym twice a week and then also coaches his son's baseball. And I'm like, maybe losing like 50 pounds is not in the cards for you, but maybe like improving your sleep, you know, drinking more than just one glass of water and actually eating when you're hungry would be a good goal. So you just have enough energy to keep up with your day. And I think people always fall into the trap like, oh, I saw this like transformation on Facebook. I need to be like that. And then you have this huge goal ahead of you that, you know, only a handful of people can do and then stick to it. And you go and try to do it and you fail and you're like, oh, then I guess it's not for me. And then you're in that vicious cycle of always trying, but maybe like make the goals a little bit more achievable. Like, you know, I want a protein shake every day because I don't have enough protein in my diet. That's what I'm going to focus on and just go into like the little baby steps until you get to that major goal. God, I love that. I love that. I love like on your website, right? Like it, you, you say this like fitness and all this stuff shouldn't be hard. And yeah. you know, you are talking very similarly to like how I coach my students, people in my audience. And, and it's so true. I love that you use that guy as an example, right? Like running three mm-hmm. businesses, has kids, like coaching a baseball team, like the guy, you know, he's not sleeping enough. You know, he's not yeah. eating correctly. You know, he's not drinking enough water. Right. And it's not about like, training a certain way or eating macros and hitting all these things. It's about making like small micro commitments and these, 
these single choices that, you know, they add up over time, they create momentum and they kind of help you like achieve your goal. So I love that theory. I love how you talk about it. And what do you see now? Like, cause you train clients, you've been doing this for like seven or eight years, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we can't all individually coach everybody, right? Like there's a lot of people listening to this podcast and we can't be like, okay, you do this, you do this. But like, what are your like three best tips for somebody who's like, okay, I want to get in better shape or I want to move more or I want to eat better to, to keep it like simple and to make it sustainable so they can do it forever. Like how do you guide people like that? Um, so I have this conversation with uh, like every new client I get. And like the two things I always bring up is consistency and patience. And I tell them like, awesome, you're going to the gym and I want you to commit to yourself one day a week and that's it. Because I've... I tell the story to every new client too, is that I'm the worst salesman ever because I've had a client come in and said, I want to train with you five days a week. And I'm like, awesome. When was the last time you've trained five days a week consistently? And the guy goes, never. Like, let's start with one. <laughs> and giving like just a simple thing like that where they're actually going to succeed, they're like, oh, I start feeling better. And every client I've ever done that with, they always come to me. They're like, you know what? I'm ready for my second day. And then I tell them that the next portion of the whole equation is being patient because you're not going to change every bad habit you've developed the last 20 years of your life in three months, in an eight-week challenge, in a four-week cleanse or whatever the hell you found online. It's a lifestyle commitment. Like, Think about a year to three years, how much you can change if you consistently stayed at one day a week, maybe Five months down the road, you went to two days a week, and then you started implementing small changes in your diet. Like all of that stuff adds up. And I like showing that those little things to clients because when they first started with me, they never trained in their life. And if they ever feel like, oh, you know, things are not going the right way. And I'm like, you've been coming to the gym consistently for the last five months. You've never done that in your life. That's huge. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess so. And I'm like, You've been drinking more water than you've ever done in your life. They're like, oh, okay, I guess I am going in the right direction. It's just they don't see that instant gratification that our whole world's built around. And you kind of have to just remind them it's a process. So the two things I always bring up is consistency and patience. And if people can just get that through their heads, then their results will actually come quicker if they're not expecting that. You know, they do a workout today, like tonight, and then tomorrow morning they should look shredded. <laughs> <laughs> what? It doesn't work that way? Oh, devo. Yeah. Um, Rafael, uh, it's great. I love what you're talking about there. You know, I, I actually read a book called How to Eat an Elephant, and it's all about that. Like, it's about taking small steps, making them achievable, setting yourself up for success rather than failure, you know, and it's the exact opposite of what we often do with these sort of quick fix diets and exercise programs. You know, we, we so often overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year or, as you said, three years or five years. But I guess for people starting out, you know, you spend a lot of time talking to people about fitness. You spend a lot of time talking to people about diet. Um, What do you think is most important when people first start out? Is it fitness? Is it diet? How important are each of those? It's hard to choose one or the other, but, you know, I like to go on the side of like, you know, dedicating one day just to work on your strength. Because most people sit at a desk like 16 hours a day if they own their own business, eight to 10 hours on average. And most of them have tight hips, sore shoulders, like their necks are messed up. So I just want people moving so they actually start feeling better. 
and then their stress capacity is a little bit higher. So then, then they can at least focus on diet after. Because I just want people moving and feeling better. Like our bodies are meant to move. And if you're sitting at a desk all day and then sitting in a car to drive home and then sitting at home eating your dinner and then you finish the night sitting watching Netflix, like that's not going to make you feel better. And that's just going to promote more bad eating habits. So I kind of like to go on the side of start with training. At least you can hammer that out and, you know, your joints are going to feel better. You're not going to be as cranky. And then you're probably going to have some momentum to get into the nutrition stuff. Because I always tell people that, you know, nutrition's not simple math like one plus one equals two. It's like calculus. The stuff that you did not know what the hell is going on when you were in math class and you were just like, I hope I pass. Like nutrition is tough. So I like to go towards working out first and then giving them the harder stuff as we go along. Awesome. And then that includes eating a lot of peanut butter, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. So you got, you got to explain this peanut butter aficionado thing to us since you have it on your website. Uh, I, I absolutely love peanut butter. Like I tend to buy this like big tub. It's, I believe three pounds of natural peanut butter with nuts. And I can easily put that thing in front of me and eat the whole thing. And I've also ventured out in having different nut butters. And definitely the best one I've had is pistachio butter. Because after I tried that the first time, I went to, I can't even remember what bakery I went to. They had a pistachio cheesecake. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be the best thing ever. And I devoured that thing because it was just delicious. <laughs> Sounds like you still have that uh, that sweet tooth inside of you. That uh, Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> that, that borderline, you know, I'm going to plan out my cheat mails thing, right? And I, it's yeah. kind of a follow-on to like the peanut butter thing, right? So for me, right, like my, my thing was I would binge eat and then I would purge. And that's how I basically would regain a false sense of control when everything else in my life was chaotic, right? And um you know, one of the ways that I've basically overcome bulimia and I'm so open about it now and uh, I didn't go to counseling, I didn't talk to anybody, but I am just like radically honest and upfront all the time. And, you know, I, I do certain things like I have foods in the house that used to tempt me and everything else. But like now, like when I have like a bad day, I'm super stressed, right? Like I do on my business, I travel a ton. Like there's days I work 18, 20 hours and like I get these emotions that overcome me, right? I'm either sad I feel like I did something like I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad to my children. And I want to run straight to the refrigerator, grab the entire jar of almond butter, throw some chocolate chips in there, sit on the couch in the corner, Indian style, just eat the entire jar. And so like one of the things I do now is when I see it coming, if I like start walking towards the fridge, I'm like, nope, I'm out. I turn around. I walk out the front door. I don't care if I have my shoes on. I don't care if I'm barefoot. I don't care what I'm wearing. And I like force myself to go for a walk for like five or 10 or 15 minutes, like very similar to like, if you want a beer, like you make it warm because by the time it cools down, you're not going to want to drink it. Right. So what are your tips for people when it comes to nutrition? Because I know it is like calculus a lot of the times. Right. And I was never good at math, but you know, a lot of us are run by these subconscious belief systems, right. Or, you know, we haven't done the work yet. So what are your tips to like kind of help people steer them in the right direction? Like if they're committing to one workout a week, right, like just going to one mm -hmm. gym class a week, how do you handle the nutrition piece? Is it one meal change? Is it cutting out one group that might be inflammatory? Like how do you navigate those waters? 
So it depends person to person, but like for the general sense, I always tell new clients this joke where, you know, show me a person that's overweight and fat that eats protein and vegetables. There are none. Like there's no, there, there doesn't exist. So I'm like, worst case scenario, if you sit down about to eat and you're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do, load up your plate with as many vegetables as possible and with some sort of lean source of protein. And that's how you start. And I tell this to everybody and like, I really hammer it down so that every time they want to eat, they're like, oh, I need to get some protein. Oh, I need to get the vegetables. And then when they get the hang of that, then I'll be like, okay, for like a serving size of protein, like look at the palm of your hand. That's how big it should be. And then if you're going to go with vegetables, get like two big fistfuls. And then if you want some fat on there, look at your thumb. That should be a good serving size for enough fat. And I'll do that for every single meal. And then when they get the hang of that, I'll be like, you know what? Let's start tracking your calories. Let's see where you're at. And then maybe they're actually under eating. And I'm like, okay, let's add two more, 200 calories to that. And then when they get used to that, it's like, okay, well, what your macros are at? So I kind of layer things with clients. But to start off is like, if you're really, really bad, like have a protein shake with just protein powder and water first thing in the morning. If you have no experience whatsoever, at least you start your day right. And I like just giving small things so then people end up being successful and not being like, uh, you know, I tried your list of 30 foods I should be eating and I didn't eat any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rafael, what's your take on fat? Because, you know, we've just come off of a couple of interviews. We've been talking about ketosis and, and you know, people wanting to increase their levels of healthy fat. You know, you're suggesting going more for the protein and, and more lean fats. You know, where, where do you tend to push people in terms of their... I guess, you know, fat, protein, carb ratios. It sounds like you're more sort of leaning towards almost like the zone diet sort of approach. Is, is that the sort of way you tend to go? Uh, yes and no. Again, like it really depends on the person. But, you know, when I get people to actually track their calories, majority of their calories are coming from carbs and fat. And I'm like, you know, having more protein, you're probably going to repair your muscles a little bit faster and just making that shift. So then they just have a more balance. Like fat is not bad. And again, there's so many diets out there. Like I personally do intermittent fasting, but every client that like found that out, they're like, oh my God, that's the secret. And they failed miserably at it because they couldn't stick to a schedule, but it works for me. It works for my schedule. I have a couple clients who like found uh, the ketogenic diet online. They're like, oh, so what do you think about it? Oh, best choice. But now what I look at it, it's like, this is the first time my client's really excited about nutrition why would I want to stop that because of my own personal beliefs? If they're really excited to do this diet, then hell, let's go do it. And then let's plan what we're going to do after when the diet ends. But, you know, what, find what works for you. If it fits your schedule, if it fits your lifestyle, then there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I just like to start people with the basics. And if they're interested in something like keto and fasting, I will let them try it and give them all the information and all the tools necessary to be successful. But tell them like, you know, if you're going to do intermittent fasting, you're going to get hungry. Your hormones are going to be all over the place. You're going to be super cranky at work in the morning, but it will get better. And it's just like anything in life. Like if you're going to try something new, it's going to suck in the beginning. But when you get those reps in and practice it, it's going to get better at the end. All right. Awesome. So, you know, we talked a lot about, uh, like you mentioned intermittent fasting, we mentioned ketosis, we've been talking about food and portion sizes and all that stuff, you know, but I learned the best when 
I learn from how somebody else does it. Right. And so for me, you know, like I tend to do my intermittent fasting. Uh, I sleep all night, wake up, take an ice bath in the morning, go in my sauna, and then I start my meals. But I would kind of love to know, like, what a day looks like for you. Like, how many hours of sleep do you get? You know, do you start with a protein shake in the morning? Like, kind of give us the layout of like what you do and then like what your meals look like. Yeah, sure. So, again, yeah, I do intermittent fasting. So I follow a 16 uh, hour fast and an eight hour eating window. And a typical day uh, for me is sleep is huge. Like, it's a non negotiable for me. So I will have no matter what, like seven to eight hours, because if I don't have sleep, I am like the most miserable person in the world. So I'll start with a good sleep. I'll go to the gym, train my in-person clients from basically 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. And 11 a.m. is usually when I work out. And for the longest time, like I followed the approach from John Berardi, where you'd have your branch chain amino acids in a facet state just to preserve muscle mass. And then the most recent thing I read from Alan Aragon, who is a nutritional uh, researcher that, you know, a better approach would be actually just a protein shake because the calories end up being the same. And when it came to um, keeping lean muscle mass, the protein shake actually trumped over the BCAA. So I'm like, you know, sure, I'm going to try it. So the last like two months, if I'm doing a workout at 11 a.m., I'll go protein and water with like a little bit of creatine right before the workout. And uh, typically my workout looks like right now I'm doing a little powerlifting phase of just heavy deadlifts and back squats. It feels awesome. Um, and then my first meal is at 12 o'clock and it's usually some sort of lean protein right now. I've been eating chicken cause I've been eating like fish and pork for a while. So I'm like, I'm going to eat like, I, I like to rotate through meats um, and a lot of vegetables and then some sort of carb, like, you know, bread is not the devil, but I will find a good brand of bread in my local grocery store. If I feel like it, if not, I'm like a potato guy and I tend to eat a lot of rice cause my wife's Filipino and I love rice and sriracha. So I will hit that up. No problem. And then, uh, around like three 30 to four o'clock, I'll have another meal. And I tend to have like, you know, usually like say two eggs, some Greek yogurt, maybe some hemp seeds in there, some sort of like salad or another vegetable. And then 8 p.m. is my dinner. It's usually it kind of looks like my lunch. But um, I'm really simple. Like I can literally eat the same thing every single day for the rest of my life. Whereas my wife needs something different every single time. So I've had more variety lately. But uh, that's kind of like the typical day. Nice. I love that, Rafael. That gives us a really good uh, idea of you know just what it looks like on a day-to-day basis, doing the intermittent fasting and making sure you're getting the proteins and the protein shakes in. So thank you so much for coming on board the podcast today, mate. No problem. It was a lot of fun. So everyone's going to want to find out more about you. So they can go to your website, which we sort of alluded to earlier, but is cutthesshitgetfit.com, which George and I just yeah. thought was pretty hilarious. We liked that. Yeah. Uh, your Instagram, we're gonna, they're going to find you at Raf Matashevsky. And, and so that is mm-hmm. R-A-F-M-A-T-U-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I. So they might need to play that backwards yep. and forwards a couple of times to get that right. <laughs> and uh, and then on Facebook you are Empower HP. Yeah. So thank you so much again for coming on board. Uh, for everyone else, until next week, 
Join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. I realized in this time that I couldn't keep waiting for love from other people. I couldn't keep expecting love from other sources. So I had to give that to myself. Yanni says, I don't care if everyone says that the kitchen is the woman's world. He says, I'm going to prepare food. I love my own cheese. I love my own wine. I don't care what you think of my new flat screen TV. He just loves company. I started asking myself more often, what do I want? Such a simple question, isn't it? But when you think that, and I'm sure all of you sitting there, when you think that, something springs into your mind. And there's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Brett Hill and Marcus Pierce feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.